Well, good morning again, and uh, good to, to be with you. Uh, I, I was uh, between songs. I actually saw that some of you have marked on there that you are indeed in pajamas this morning. So uh, that's that's exciting that we can worship uh, in our own homes uh, together. Uh, we're going to continue on in the series that we kind of started uh, for Lent, uh, the Lenten series. Oops, let's see if I can get this to work here. Uh, Next slide. Go ahead and bring that up. Uh, our, uh, our series about uh, how uh, God turned everything upside down. Uh, and, and we've been in this Lenten season that talks about the kingdom of God is different from the kingdom of this world. I think we're all very grateful uh, for that today. Uh, but this Sunday, we're going to talk specifically uh, about uh, this business of, uh, of remembering. Lent is a time to remember and be grateful for what God has done for us. And by the way, uh, you can get online uh, the, uh, on our app. You can get the uh, fill-in-the-blank if you're uh, filling in the blanks uh, on this. And you can also get the uh, notes for our, um, our life groups if you're doing a sermon-based life group. So when is the time to remember and be grateful for what God has done? And this is really, really important. Uh, in Christianity, uh, remembering is, is huge. And it goes back even before that to, to, to our Judeo-Christian kind of heritage. Uh, where in the Old Testament, when God would do something big for the people, they would build an altar. And they built an altar in part to worship God for what he had done, but also so that the generations that would follow would remember what he had done, so that one generation would tell the next generation. So when a grandfather's walking uh, through, through the area and with his grandson or granddaughter, and they said, what's that pile of rocks over there, Grandpa? And the Grandpa would say, that is an altar of thanksgiving to God. Let me tell you what God did for us back then generations ago. Uh, and so it's really, really important uh, for us that we do this remembering, and that's a part of what Lent is, is this time for us to remember what God has done for us, uh, and, and it's just, it's huge for us, uh, and the good news is that when we do this right, it leads to gratitude. Uh, when you rightly understand what God has done for us, it's gratitude, and so during the Lenten season, we kind of look back at some, some hard things of, of what Christ did for us, and so uh, here's just kind of the question uh, this morning. Have you ever met someone who forgot they, had, they came from humble roots? I don't know if you've ever done that. I've, I've met a few people like that. You know, they just kind of have giant egos. And if you know their story, you know that, you know, man, I remember you when you were a kid. Uh, I, I think about this uh, when I first came back to the Washington Pacific District um, after being gone for a long, long time. Uh, the district superintendent stood all the new pastors up in front of the, the assembly, and, and we were supposed to each kind of introduce ourselves and say a little bit of something. And I just offhand, because uh, I'd had a thing about camp, and I grew up on this district, I, I, I introduced myself, hi, I'm Craig, and, you know, I'm from was Marysville Church of the Nazarene back then, uh, and I said, then I said to some of them, some of you may remember me from a, being a kid in camp, and, you know, and they kind of chuckled a little bit, and I passed the mic to the next person, but then after, after uh, that, at, during district assembly, several people came up to me, and especially a couple older ones said, I remember you, you know, because I wasn't always the most well-behaved kid in camp, and so uh, it's good to remember where your roots are from. Maybe you've met people that pretend they've uh, made it on their own, or forget that a lot of people help them uh, along the way. Uh, and, and so we all have a part of this, you know. We all have roots. We all have people that brought us along uh, in, in the process. And, and this, this particular thing is in, an important one to me. Um, because uh, I'm just going to be transparent. And I think I've shared a little of this before. But in my opinion, one of my greatest failures, one of the things I'm most embarrassed about, the mistakes I've made, things... I would take back, if I, I really could, 
uh, had to do with, with this very issue of forgetting my roots and forgetting where I came from and forgetting the people who brought me along the way and helped me. And, and uh, I, I've t- I think I've told the story before, but... Um, you know, I grew up in, in Grace Harbor in Aberdeen, Washington, which is about an hour out of your way no matter where you are. It's just there's not a lot there. It was a logging community, and it was declining and, and all of those sorts of things. And I was one of those people that couldn't wait to get out. Now, I've long since grown to appreciate it. But, um, but I, I went away to college, and, and I remember my dad coming to visit me uh, after, I don't know, maybe my freshman year or somewhere into my sophomore year. Uh, and, and you need to know, I had a great relationship with my dad, and I love my dad. Uh, but my dad dropped out of school in the 10th grade. He didn't finish the 10th grade. Uh, and just by his personality, he was not a terribly articulate person. He was very smart. He had a high IQ. But he, w- he was not, language wasn't his, his sort of thing. And I remember having some interactions with him, with some of my friends there, um, and, and being embarrassed by my father, and hoping that he would go home quickly so that I wouldn't be embarrassed anymore. Um, and it wasn't long after that that I just, I just became really ashamed of myself. My dad, um, my dad worked a lot of long hours to support me. He, when he was growing up, he had a call into the ministry to, to be into medical missions. And, and most of you know, my dad lived a very sinful life before he became, came back to the Lord. And, and when he came back, that was never going to be a possibility for him to ever do that. And so Years later, when I got ready to go to college, my dad took on all kinds of extra shifts and took all the call he could get and worked, just literally worked himself to the bone so that his son could have what he never got. And I was embarrassed. And that, I'm, I'm ashamed of that. I forgot where I came from. In fact, it's such a big deal for me that I have kind of an altar that I've built. Um, the little church I grew up in was a telephone building. It was really brick, and, and they've long since moved on and taken that building down. But I happened to be down in the harbor right when it was rubble. And so I went and I picked up a, a, a piece of it. Uh, this is just a piece of the church, you know, the, the rubble. And, and this sits in my office in a place where I can remember it because it reminds me. It reminds me that I stand on a lot of other people's shoulders. It, it reminds me that, that I, I came from a humble place, like all of us come from a humble place. Uh, and so it, it's a big deal. This is, this is my altar to, to remind me about this. And and, and in addition to that, you guys all know this, but God has this way of choosing people that are the most unlikely people to use them for eternity and for big things. Have you ever looked at the disciples? What a bunch of mess up those guys were. I mean, you've got fishermen and tax collectors and you've got uh, doubters and all, all kinds of people in there. And so um, this is what I know uh, about this issue uh, when it comes to this. And that is this, forgetting where we came from is a way of lying to ourselves. It, it, it's, it's a false narrative uh, about our, ourselves. You know, it's, it, it's something that, that we want to create this kind of false impression because we have this idea that everything we have is because we are so great or we're smart or we're clever or we're hardworking or we're good looking or we have great hair. Well, I had great hair. But y- you, in fact, may be smart or clever, hardworking, have great hair. But I promise you that there are a lot of people <laughs> who have made you who you are today. You, you didn't pop out of your mom and, and, and get a job and live on your own. Your parents made a huge investment in your, in your life at, at great cost. Time and money and energy and emotional energy and money. and it, it, they, just, they just did. That's a part of it. In fact, um, you are who you are because of the people who invested in you. You are who you are because of the people who invested in you. 
your parents, the teachers that made a difference in your life. I had a number of teachers growing up that, that made a huge difference in my life. In, in junior high, a, a woman by the name of Miss Chen, uh, and she just saw something in me despite the fact that I was a horrible student and just really invested and worked hard and, and, and believed in me when I didn't believe in myself and I didn't think I could do it. And I was really headed for a track, probably like my father of eventually dropping out. And, and she just really came after me. And, and so, so thankful uh, for her. Uh, the coaches that invested in me and the coaches that invested in you, uh, and, and both in athletics and, and in other extracurriculars like debate or music or all of those other things that are out there. Uh, the mentors, your, your spouse. I, I don't know if you know this. Your spouse influences you, you know, and, and hopefully for the good and makes you a better person. The, the bosses, the, the, the friends who invested in you to help you become who you are. But this is the truth. No one has invested more in you than Jesus Christ. No one. No one has invested more. Jesus gave up everything for you. Scripture records that he, he gave up heaven for you and for me so that he could kind of slum along with us down here. And, and I don't think we even really probably understand all that that means for him to humble himself and to give up heaven and come. Came on a rescue mission to save us, to save us from ourselves and from our sin and all of that. And, and then, you think about it, he came to save us and we treated him really bad. We, we did horrible things to him. Um, we, we disrespected him, we tortured him, we came after him. Uh, and he did all of that suffering for, for us that, that we might that we might find life, and, and we rejected him. And this is, this is kind of a silly illustration, but um, w when I was a teenager, my uncle was a veterinarian, uh, and uh, he's always you're trying to help these animals, and most animals were well-behaved, and, and, but some animals were not well-behaved. And I remember in particular, um, and this is not a take on cats, but he just had a, several clients that had cats that did not like the veterinarian. Uh, and so one of my jobs was to come in and help him hold an animal when they would do this. And, and it was just this kind of a crazy sort of thing where you're holding out this cat that's trying to kill you, right? And they can spin and they can turn and they're, they're slashing and they're, you know, all of that. And you're trying to, you know, while we're trying to help the cat, it's trying to hurt us. And, and I think that's sometimes the way it is with God. That's certainly the way it was with Christ. He, he came to help us and yet, yet we treated him badly. And ultimately, ultimately he died for us. He was tortured and then he died for you and for me, and he suffered in all kinds of ways. And then, ultimately, of course, he conquered death, giving us eternal life and, and rose uh, for life with us. But I, I want to read to you, and this is a little lengthy, but I just want to read to you during this Lenten season uh, from Isaiah, because it captures, the prophet captures um, the price Christ paid for you and for me. And we do, we do well to remember this. We do well to remember that our salvation is free to us, but it cost Christ everything. So Isaiah 53, starting verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected of mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He was oppressed and afflicted, yet we did, he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and his sheep before shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Through the Lord makes, and, and through the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the, he, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong." Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's a, a pretty graphic description of the price that Christ paid for us. The, the thing we need to remember. Uh, when we get to the New Testament, it goes like this. Philippians 2, 6 and 8 says, Who being in the very nature of God, speaking of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Let that sink in. Didn't consider to use that to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus gave up equality with God and, and let his life be taken for our sins. He, he humbled himself. He, he died for you and he died for me. He gave his life in order that we might live today. You might have the life that you have today because of him. He gave us love and hope and, and promised to be with us always. Even in the midst of a COVID-19 outbreak, he promised to be with us. And he is with us today. Um, no one has invested more in you than, than Jesus Christ. And he did all this before you even knew you needed it. Uh, another great thing about this is he loved us because he first, we loved, we love because he first loved us. He, he loved you even when you were, you were not, even when you were the cat fighting and scratching and, and working against God, when you were rebellious and sinful, when I was rebellious and sinful, and when we hurt him in the midst of us. I, I've said to you guys a number of times, God loves you more than you love your children. Uh, God loves you more than you love your children. And, and you love your children a lot. <laughs> and you honestly loved your children before your children loved you. You know, you know what? A, a baby, when a baby comes and there's this wonderful moment, especially with your first child, I think you experience this, where, where you all of a sudden you're holding this little thing that, that's just a ton of work. And, and you're in love. You're instantly in love. And you would, you would do anything for that. You would die you would, to protect them. You would, you would take care of them. But, but honestly, that baby doesn't love you yet. <laughs> you're a source of food. That's it. You know, protection, all, all of those sorts of things. You, you love your children before they love you. And God says he loves you before you loved him and he did for you before you even knew that what, a, what an amazing sort of thing it is in this story of God there's the hard part of remembering that it was our sins that caused him to die but the good news in all of that is that he did it out of love for us he loves us that much uh, and and so no one again no one has made a bigger investment in you than than Jesus Christ has in fact 
as if all of that weren't enough, get this out of James. James 1.17 says, every good thing we have comes from his hand. Everything you have that is good comes from God. And there's all kinds of, of gifts that, that he's given to us in, in so many ways. Uh, honestly, in America, we are blessed beyond all reason for all the, that we have. But then, then there are special things. Some of you have received special gifts from God like healing. I, I was kind of thinking about this one this week because most of you know uh, my story. In, in the last year, I've kind of gone through a miraculous healing from cancer. Uh, the, the, a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, I was kind of letting the church know uh, that, that I had cancer and that it was very, very serious cancer. And we just really didn't know what the future held. And most of you know God did a miracle through all of that. Uh, and, and I'm cancer-free today, and I'm super excited about that. But as I reflected on that, that's not the first time God has saved my life. In fact, there are uh, three, including this one, times I can point to that, that really were miraculous. God just get, did a good thing for me uh, in, in all kinds of crazy ways. One was when I was a little boy. Uh, and I, I, my dad was fishing and, and away from me, and I jumped off the pier into the water, uh, and no one was around. Uh, and it just happened that one little lady just happened to be looking the right way. There was only like three people in the park. And she said to my mom, did that little boy just jump off or did he fall off <laughs> into the water? And she screamed at my dad, and, and, and really, literally seconds longer, and I, I would not have made it. Uh, there was another time in my life when uh, Jody and I were driving, and we're kind of coming up around this hill, uh, we were on the outside and the inside, and as we came around, a car was passing the other one, and it was literally a cliff down this way and a solid wall up this side, and we were going to hit, and I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden that guy was in the, the, the correct lane, and, and he missed us, uh, and I, it, it wasn't physically possible. I don't know how it happened. It was one of the kind of those, like, almost a glitch in reality kind of deal, but I have no doubt there was a giant guardian angel up there that just kind of went, and shoved it over into the into the right lane. And so every good thing we have comes from God. And I would bet that if you think about it for just a minute, you have some times in your life where God has intervened on your part. It's not just the blessings that he's poured out into your life. It is that he is working in your life in some amazing ways. Lots and lots of people have stories where God literally saved their life. Or God intervened in some other sort of way or saved their marriage or saved a, a, a relationship. And, and it, there's something, someplace where God has done that. Every good thing we have comes from God. Remember, 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 remember what Jesus did for you. Remember how he continues uh, to work in, in, in our lives. And then out of that, we should be grateful. In fact, I, I think that an ungrateful Christian is a contradiction. I'm not sure you can really be a Christian and be ungrateful. Given all that God has done for us, you either don't understand what God has done for you, or you don't care. Because if you understand what God has done for you, we should just overflow with gratitude. How do you call yourself a Christian if you, you don't understand all that he's done for you? Remember, remember what God has done for you. And, and not to stroke God's ego. God, God, doesn't, God doesn't need his ego stroke. Sometimes people kind of talk like that. But we remember in order that we might avoid lying to ourselves about who we are. And that's key. Because he is God and we are not. He is Lord of lords and King of kings and we are the servants. And we do well to remember that. Not, again, not to stroke God's ego, but, but so that we get it right as to how the work world works that, that's the truth of, of the matter because I, I believe with all of my heart the worst lies are the ones we tell ourselves 
Those are the ones that get us in lots and lots and lots of trouble. The worst lies, the worst lies are the ones we tell ourselves. I, I, I did this on my own. That's, that's an ego. You, you don't, there's nothing you do on your own. You know, when people talk about, hey, I'm a self-made millionaire and I did it all on my own. And I, I say to them, you know, if you were born in lower Mongolian to peasants, do you think you'd be as rich as you are today? No, just by the accident of birth, by God's grace. You, you wouldn't do that. You, you know, it's the ego thing. Um, other people, it's the other side. Some of them say, I'm worthless, the, the low self-esteem. Uh, that, that's not what God says about you. God says, you're so valuable, I would die for you. I would give up heaven. Or nobody loves me. God would beg to differ with you about that. God loves you and paid that high price. And don't be running down what God gave you. I mean, this is, <laughs> I'm careful with this. But there's a certain part of me that says, when you criticize like that, what are you saying to God? You know, oh, you don't count God? God loves you. He cares for you. You are infinitely loved. You have huge self-worth. You are created in the image of God. And to, to say anything other than that is, is simply a lie, just as much as it is to say, I made it on my own and everything I did uh, is about me. And so not only is forgetting a way of lying to ourselves, but ingratitude is a poison to the soul. It has a way of corrupting us. Uh, it has a way of, 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 of damaging us. And, and put another way, entitled people think the world owes them, you know. Um, it, there, there's, there's all kinds of things that happen with people like that when they lack they lack empathy, right? Because they think it's all on them. Well, those people down there, they don't count because they, they just work a little harder. If they'd just be a little smarter, if they just, if they would just, that's, that's the, the non-empathetic line. If they would just and then fill in the blank, you know. Or they become judgmental or the all kinds of things, selfishness that can, that can happen to them. And their ingratitude poisons the soul, especially when it relates to our relationship uh, with God. And then 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And this is what we are called to remember during Lenten. We, we are not our own. We were bought with a price. That Christ intervened, and we can never forget this, that, that he paid the price for you and, and for me. Remember, 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 you are bought by Christ. And... You were purchased out of bondage to sin and death. Um, every time I talk about this, I get people that kind of, it, it's hard to connect to emotionally, I think. Because we live in a world where there aren't slaves around us. And, and when we think about bondage, we kind of think about addiction and some of those sorts of things. But, but when these words were written, people literally would live in bondage. There was all kinds of slavery. There was uh, all kinds of death uh, uh, around it, them. And so it's hard for us to connect to because uh, there, there is nothing worse than, than bondage. And, and the very worst bondage is the bondage to sin. Sin wants to serve you up to death. That's what it wants to do when sin takes it hold of us and those destructive behaviors become a part of it. And, and by the way, when I say sin, I, I don't mean the little stuff, you know. Some of you grew up around legalism and there was a long list of things that were sin in a book somewhere. Uh, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the mistakes where we're, we're trying to do the right thing, and it, but it goes sideways because we're human and we're imperfect. When I, when I talk about sin and bondage, I'm, I'm talking about that stuff you know in your heart is sin. You don't need a preacher to convince you. You don't need your mama to tell you. You don't need someone else to tell you. You know that's wrong. 
and, and that leads to bondage. And, and, and so that soul-sucking, life-demolishing kind of thing that, that happens in there. Because ultimately, ultimately, sin always costs you more than you want to pay and takes you further than you want to go. And this has just become kind of one of my fundamental understandings of how life works. And, and in my job, I often see the results of, of sin when someone gets involved with something that, that's not God's will and it's destructive for them. It, it, it always costs them more. When, when they're starting out, it's like, oh, this isn't all that bad. There's, there's nothing going on there. It, it's not that big a deal. But then on the other end, when they end up on, in my office and their life is falling apart, it costs them way, way, way more. They didn't realize that that sin would cost them their marriage. They, they didn't realize that that was going to cost them the, their relationships with their children. They, it costs way more, and it takes you further than you want to go. They didn't realize they were going to get addicted. They didn't, they didn't think that that would happen. They, they thought that they could get out of this any time, and by the time they decided they wanted out of it, they were trapped. And, and that, that's what Christ saved us from. That, that's the joy of this whole sort of thing. But, but it's, sometimes it, it's, it's hard to understand that. You are, are, there's some really great things that, that Christ has done in your life. And you're aware of them. I, I've seen your talents. He's given you some great stuff. But can I say something else to you? You are also not, there are also um, not some really bad things in your life because of Jesus. That, that you, you don't know in some ways what God saved you from because you didn't have to experience this. Um, there's a commercial on TV now that's, I think it's talking about a drug or something, you know, and it's, it starts out with, uh, I didn't have to call the ambulance and the helicopter pilot, I didn't have to come and get you, all of those sorts of things, because the person didn't have a heart attack, right? And in some ways, I think that's a, a part of what the reality is here. We didn't have to bail you out of jail because God saved you from the sin. We, we didn't have to talk about how to try and fix your marriage because God saved you from the sin. We, we didn't have to deal with your drug addiction or pick you up off the street because God saved you from that, and you avoided all of that. And so th there's a part of this that, that I just wish I could get people to get a hold of, and that's idea that, that God has done this thing for you in the past, but he continues to do this thing now. And by saving us from our sin and getting us out of that and putting us on the right course, you have avoided all kinds of things that you're not even aware of. I, I wonder sometimes if a part of the gratitude we'll get when we get to heaven is that maybe God will have the opportunity to say, you know, had you not chosen to follow me, this is what your life would look like. I suspect if he does that for us, we will be dancing in the aisles of heaven with gratitude for all that God has done for us. Don't you think? You see where that goes? And, and I'll, I'll just, a personal illustration with this. Again, I, I mentioned already my dad uh, lived a pretty wicked life before, um, before he became a follower of Jesus and kind of had to hit rock bottom before he turned his life around. And, and he shared a lot with me as I, when I became a young man, he kind of shared with me about his past because a lot of it was adult material. Um, but one of the things he shared with me when he kind of hit rock bottom and eventually got um, dishonorably discharged from the military, uh, he shared with me that, that um, the thing that he and his buddies were doing, um, had they actually been caught by someone else other than, than an officer that really, really liked them, uh, would have sent them to jail for extended periods of time. Uh, and he was very grateful for this idea that God had saved him from stuff. And he, he lived all of his life understanding that, that had God not intervened, had God not rescued his life, he very probably would have finished his life out in, in prison in some sort 
of way. And, and for all of you, you, you may not be aware of what that is, but I'm here to tell you that God did something in your life that, that changed your life forever. And when he saves us from that, he changes the trajectory of our life. And we should give thanks for that every single day for what he has done for us. And so this, uh, Christians more than anyone else have reason to celebrate. That's, that's, uh, that's so important to us. We have more reason because of what Christ has done for us uh, in, in our lives. And, and I hope if you want to say amen someplace there at home, you can just say it right now. Christians more than anyone else in the world have reason to celebrate. Oh, hey, we've got the, the, the worship team here, and they said amen in the midst of all of this as, as well. And, and we really do, and we need to keep that in mind. And, and Lenten season can be hard because we, we want to remember the price that Christ paid for our sins. But the, the upside of that is that we also remember that the lives we have, we have because of what Christ has done for us. And so this Lenten season, remember, and the word remember in the, in the original language is the idea of call to mind. It's not just that you can remember, but it's the idea of actively calling to mind all that God has done for you and give him praise and give him thanks. And so this Lenten season, this day, uh, you look around at your family. You should give thanks for your family. Uh, that you're in a house, give thanks for that. You get in a car every morning. Most of the world's population doesn't have a car, you know. All of those sorts of things. Uh, Christ has done so much for us. In the past, when he gave his life for us and provided redemption and he rose from the dead and eternal life. And the best of all, one day we are all going to be in heaven together and there will be no more COVID-19 and all the sermons will be live. Uh, it'll, you'll hear it and we will celebrate and we will dance and give thanks to the Lord. So that's the message. This season, remember, call to mind all that God has done for you and give him praise and give him thanks. Amen? So uh, lastly, this is typically where then we would kind of go into uh, the, uh, the music uh, for our offering, worship the Lord uh, in giving. And obviously uh, we can't do that right now in the same sort of way. Uh, but there are some really important ways that you can uh, give uh, to the Lord. And, and we're hoping that some of you will transition on to online giving. Because uh, honestly, the need is great during this time. The, the giving drops quite a bit. Uh, if you go to our webpage, you can see uh, there, uh, right there on the far right-hand side, is uh, you can click on that, and that takes you to push pay. If you're on our app, you can do that as well. Uh, just, just click on the app, and there's a place to give. And of course, you can mail checks in, or you can stop them by uh, during office hours when we're here as well. We are so thankful for your faithfulness uh, through all of this. Uh, and so that's one of the things we're thankful for is, uh, is, is the way you give that you're a generous church and a generous people. And so before uh, you, you turn me off here and click this off, let me, let me uh, pray for you and then I, I want to share a benediction with you. Father God, thank you for this day and for your love. Uh, thank you, Father, for all the good things that you are doing. Lord, forgive us that it is so easy to to not remember, to not call to mind on a regular basis what you have done for us. And, and, and it is painful for us sometimes to remember that it was our sin that, that put you on the cross. And, and Lent is hard in that sense, Father. But, but it is joyous to know that you loved us so much that you would do that for us. And that you provide the lives that we have. And, and we are so, so blessed, Father. And, and Father, I just pray that you would give us a deep sense of gratitude for Jesus uh, during this Lenten season, Father, and that you would continue to bless 
that we might use those resources for your glory, Father, and that, that you might be lifted up and that we too might tell the next generation as they did long ago when they saw the altars, Father, and shared. May we share with the next generation all that you're doing for us, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so here's the benediction from Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of Christ, Christ's peace, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. God loves you. I love you. Stay home and love each other. Bye.